Welcome to The Sheeple Show. This is the podcast where we try and understand what is actually going on in the world. My name is Andy Marley. And I'm Matt Smith, although you probably know a much more famous version. Let's do this. <laughs> I always expect things to go wrong. Well, yeah. If you, if you can only be surprised by pleasantries, then. <laughs> yeah. Everything's a nice, pleasant surprise instead of being a, oh, well, that went crap. <laughs> you know, you envision the worst case scenario of being abducted by aliens on the way to the moon or something, you know. You could be like, well, if I expect that and I'm ready, you know, maybe pack a, a crossword or something yeah. for when you're sitting around. That's it, yeah. If you, always, if you always expect the worst case scenario, you, you'd, you'll never be disappointed when things go wrong. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. I knew that was going to happen. And when things go right, there's it's actually a, extra this, good. This is probably butchering it, but there's like a proverb or a quote or something like that. It's, uh, it, uh, wait, wait, I'll remember it in a sec. Prepare for the worst. And something the best. Ah, I butchered it. <laughs> the worst. Something I can't remember. But yeah, I think that should uh, be that should be the new slogan for this podcast. Prepare for the worst and something the best. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the best. I'm actually going to slyly look for it because it was quite profound. To be honest, I think I have heard it before. And I'm trying to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. There you go. That makes sense. You're not sitting there going, I actually hope it meets my preparations. You're just going, well, let's see what happens. Prepare for the worst and hope for the best. <laughs> Gotta have that little bit of hope. Just Got a little bit of hope. Just not a little. an intoxicating amount. You know? Don't want to hear you saying it's all right. The world will end, and aliens will save us. No, come on. <laughs> Behave. The aliens were there. that. Wait, wait, that's that's not a conversation for now. That's that's in a few weeks. What the aliens are going to save us? That's in like a month and a half. We're doing an episode about aliens. Yeah. But I think we can get over the ridiculous nature of aliens not coming to our rescue like white knights, right? See, you can't do this because that's in my notes for that episode is about <laughs> good aliens oh, okay. versus bad aliens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think there's practical aliens and then there's everything else. Well, I was listening to a podcast this morning um, talking about sexy aliens. I mean, I watched Torchwood, so I mean, it's not out of the realms of possibility. <laughs> yes, and it was an alien called Akon, not the singer. Not the singer. There was an alien Is called it? Akon. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what conspiracies kids could bring these days? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Two plus two equals a window. <laughs> No, it's one plus one equals a window. Sorry, two plus two equals seventy-four. Yeah, it does. Or a ladder. Or a ladder. Climb out of the hole you dug. 
Well, I mean, there is, to be honest, with today's main topic, there is going to be a little, a little chat about aliens, not a lot. Yeah, that would be exciting. I do like today's topic, though. Yeah, I've got quite a few things to go through, so it's going to be fun. And what we need to do the weekly roundup first. Yeah, that's true. It can be round this week. It can be. Round. I have decreed. <laughs> I was a bit late on pressing the button then. So I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> no, I was waiting for it. I was like, ready, ready. Don't, don't interrupt. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the first story of the year as well. Oh, hello, January. <laughs> so a lickable TV screen that you can taste has been created in Japan. Why? <laughs> well, so this article is on joe, <laughs> joe.co.uk. Um, and oh, it's a website called Joe. I've never heard of the website before, but whoever wrote this, Danny Jones wrote this article, and Danny Jones is a comedic genius. Uh, the foot, It opens up with, in case you ever needed a reminder, you are living in the 21st century, the age where technology that is created simply because it can be a lickable TV screen has now been invented in Japan. So let me just get over my fundamental issue with the idea of a lickable <laughs> TV screen. In the age of pandemics. <laughs> How do you lick and watch it at the same time you have to sit there like a creepy predator on the couch ready to jump up and lick your tv at any given moment just to enhance your experience or you have to wear the tv on your face at which point you can't watch it and you're just tasting whatever is there and that could get weird how is there not a massive oddity here Uh, What if you're watching a murder mystery? What does that taste like? They've actually updated the article since I read it, and there's actually a video. So I've not watched the video. I'm not going to bother playing it now, but I've not watched the video. Yeah, but what do you watch on TV? Okay, cool. We're watching Celebrity MasterChef or something. Happy days. Perfect. Beautiful. Watching a murder mystery? No. When I... (laughs) I don't want to know. Watching a documentary on people who play warcraft or something it's or a, call of duty no no it's a game changer for porn <laughs> yeah or it's a reality breaker and it just makes everything <laughs> less good i mean again that very 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 openly highlights the, do you want to lick it do you want do you want to lick your screen and have it taste like vagina <laughs> actually let's get this straight <laughs> A television's taste interpretation of that. You know, it's like curry versus curry sauce, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what you get? I think, I think, you know what, that is a real, a perfect sort of metaphor for like porn versus sex anyway. It's like curry versus curry sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Because sex in porn is not like sex in real life. We all know that. Oh, yeah, uh, obviously. That's... <laughs> if, if you forget to piece those two bits of reality together, then I've got... <laughs> you're on the internet too much, and you should probably talk to people more. <laughs> yeah, Develop some to... relationships. Professional. 
audience of people in this. Yeah. Corey versus Corey Souls. The imposter. The lie. The fake. The pretender. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Apart from the Mac, uh, McDonald's sweet curry dip, that is amazing. That's drugs and sugar in a little pot with a curry flavouring added. And yes, it is amazing, but I know very well that it's not something I like the taste of. It's something that says, this is like crack. <laughs> Probably why I like it so much. The amount of sugar in that thing and the amount of... It's just amazing. <laughs> I guarantee you, whenever you get it, you get a little twitch or something when you taste it for the first time. Because you're like, oh, taste receptors activated. Hyperactivity mode engaged. <laughs> which then speeds up your metabolism, makes you digest the food faster, which then makes you hungrier quicker, which makes you go back up for seconds for Mr. McDonald's pockets. Is <laughs> That would be the logical answer anyway. Yeah. But it does taste but good. damn, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tasty, it's a tasty dip. Same topic. It reminds so, me yeah. of that uh, seagull that was called a phoenix for a while because it fell into some curry. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, so this lickable TV, um, it's been created by um, uh, by somebody whose name I am definitely getting wrong. It's uh, Homei Mayashita. This Japanese gentleman. Um. He's a professor at Meiji University. And apparently this telly can literally imitate the flavour of whatever is on the screen. Imitate being the key word. Then. Yeah. So what it's... happens like just now when Bruno walks across the screen, you know? <laughs> what joke. happens if like... <laughs> oh, I think I've just figured it out. Okay, Somebody now, has to own think... shares in a screen wipe company, right? How do you think it works? Electricity. <laughs> how do you think? How do you think it imitates the taste? Well, in the longer form for electricity, it's going to stimulate your taste buds with an electrical current, which is going to fool your brain in the same way that saccharin fools your brain into thinking it's sweet. It's a lie. A simulation. So, don't fucking start this early. <laughs> we Just will have a 20 minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, so, yeah, so it's been dubbed Taste the TV. When I first saw this headline, I thought it, it's just going to be like, you remember Smell-O-Vision? Yeah. It's just going to be a gimmick like that. But there is actually a reason that he's invented this, which I didn't think of, which I think is quite cool. But so the technology, it works as a spray that contains the specific flavor that you want to taste <sighs> uh, before being dispersed onto the screen for people to enjoy. So it's like a spray and an activator. Yeah. So um, the guy who invented it, I'm not going to try and butcher his name again. Um, so the reason why he did this so he like he wants to make a platform that can be distributed has taste content so he wants to make his own platform for this that is much more intelligent than just applying it gets better it gets better he said that the um the experience is the same as watching a movie or listening to a song you like now before we go into why he actually started this um 
What would be the first thing you watch using Taster TV? Uh, Bake Off. <laughs> God, answer. I didn't even think of that. I thought the uh, the feast scene in Hook. No, because you know that's that... not actually going to taste nice. That food looks amazing. <laughs> it does, but you know it can't taste nice because they're all throwing at each other. And then I'd watch porn. I mean, it's definitely up there as a curiosity. I don't know how long I'd be able to hold out for. <laughs> let's be honest. I think the reality of it, though, is uh, there's actually quite a lot of applications for uh, for blind people, I think, or for people that are visually impaired, you know, to sort of convey certain... You know how they have that sort... What's that method where you can essentially use... There's that guy I saw in a TED talk not so long ago. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. But he essentially attached something that lets him hear colours. Oh, okay. So he can translate a sound or a frequency or a pitch he hears into what would be on our visible colour spectrum. And that would stimulate the right part of him. Well, that's um, synesthesia. Yeah, so essentially you're creating, I don't want to say artificial synesthesia, but uh, enhanced or augmented synesthesia, having a way, you know, if uh, blind people, instead of seeing, could taste their way around kind of thing with various electrical prompts and so on and so forth, that could be quite quite an interesting application. Obviously, I'm crazy, so all of these things could already have been done and I wouldn't have known, or... There could be a mad scientist that made the worst case interpretation of these things. Both yeah. could have very much already happened. <laughs> I bet it's Elon Musk <clears throat> or Simon Cowell. <laughs> the AIs, bro, they're gonna get you. <laughs> it's, all the yeah, so it's all the owls. The the professor who made this, he um, he made it so that. Basically, he believes that this lickable TV can be used for training chefs and sommeliers, um, Somali or whatever the fucking called, you know, the wine people. Yeah. So it could be used for training chefs um, through distance learning. Yeah, I think that's true. I think uh, it would also be quite good for chemists because mm-hmm. then you could essentially, well, you're not tasting an actual lethal chemical, are you? but you're going to have an interpretation of what that chemical is by its taste. So usually where the taste test would kill you, <laughs> it's actually viable for unmarked chemicals and things yeah, like that. That's you quite good, actually. Figuring it out. Again, interpretation mm. is the key word here. So there could still yeah. be mix-ups. or what, It relies on that interpretation technology heavily being successful. Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, so even though he... Um, he wants it to be used for training chefs uh, in dist- through distance learning. He has said that there is potential for a commercial version of the device, which would cost around 100,000 Japanese yen, which yeah, is approximately 650 quid. Yeah, that's pretty same. Well, for, the, are, for, for those of you that aren't used to English slang, quid means pounds. So 650 pounds. That's, that's is, our monies. Yeah, you get them from doing stuff. Is about six hundred seventy-five US dollars. If they'll be the same. Modern day tech in the UK, whatever it is marketed in dollars, is what it will be in pounds. There isn't a conversion anymore. Right. Okay. They've been doing that with technology for a while. 
Americans actually save something like it was a lot higher. It's probably only about 10, 20 percent now. It might even be less given our <laughs> recent decisions in government. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this guy is, he seems to be um, just always creating food based inventions. Um, in 2016, he created an electric fork that makes food taste better. Yeah, so he's clearly quite good at knowing exactly what yeah. parts of and the as, brain as a and restaurant, receptors need. Yeah, this this electric fork was um, used in a restaurant in Tokyo called the No Salt Restaurant. So they didn't use any salt, and they just had this electric fork that makes things taste better. I don't know how that works. That's just the last paragraph of the of the article. Well, given that they're talking about salt, I imagine specifically that's what the fork can simulate is yeah. the saltiness of something, which again is still quite an amazing feat in and of itself. My big question here is what happens when the TV tastes better than the food? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. What kind what of kind mind fuckery commences right imagine you know 10 20 years go by this thing's a normal tech you start having kids who are getting used to what licking tvs at a young age right all got eating disorders because none of them know what real food they can't live up to that anymore like um so my my flatmate chris um somebody as you know i love cooking i love being in the kitchen i love cooking i love making food everything and one of my favorite things to do is bake bread i like bread. i don't i don't use a bread maker i do it all by hand um you i even see breads like yeah exactly i do it all by hand i do it all myself <laughs> but because obviously that homemade bread isn't the same as the bread that you buy from the shop because there's all additives and stuff that are put into the ones which you don't get you don't get with home-baked bread so chris like he prefers because he's so used to it he prefers the store the shop bought stuff rather than the homemade stuff Mm. because like the texture that it's just like the taste that's to him that's not bread because he's never had like home-baked bread it's different isn't it it's kind of like uh even when you look at between English and French interpretations of bread, they're night and day, you know, <laughs> we've got one way of doing it, they've got another and everything's very culturally sort of historical and enriched and has a bit yeah. of a, a thing, but they're all bread. <laughs> one of my favourite things that the French do with bread, I fucking love this, is they drown it in melted butter and then toast it. everything about their breakfast breads is amazing everything from a baguette to a brioche is just mm. and yeah i'm counting things like croissants and brioches one thing one thing they are more complex there seems to be i know quite a lot about french food and french cuisine and then there seems to be that this whole thing that's happened in this country of burgers and brioche buns stop it it's all right it just depends what you can do it with a basic burger. There is a savoury version of the brioche. No, I think the sweet is, is intentional, but that's what I'm saying. It would have to be something that is 
deliberately lacking in most flavours and is quite rich in yeah. and of itself to then be complemented by the sweetness of the I love, I do love a bit of brioche. I love a bit of brioche, but not on a burger, man. Not on a burger. Can we stop doing that? Please? I think it'd be, it's quite nice if you've got, you know, a sweeter chilli sauce or something or something that can complement an offset. Kind of like chilli chocolate, right? It shouldn't work, but it does in very specific scenarios. But it shouldn't be generally applied. I agree. You can't be putting anything in a brioche and calling it luxury. <laughs> All right. Just because you, it's like when you buy the rustlers and then you buy the premium rustlers. Do you know what the difference is? They're a quid different, but do you know what the actual <laughs> thing different is about them? Um, isn't it just like the thickness of the patty? Nope. They're exactly the same. One of them comes with a little sachet. Of special onions. <laughs> That's it. Amazing. But you know, illusions, prestige. Got to have, got to have your special onions. Got to have your special onions. They were really good, to be honest. Now, for it making, it made all the difference to a rustlers. But my point is, that was the only difference for a quid. Weird, mate. All right. This so, anything else to say about a TV you can lick that's not porn-related? <laughs> yeah, I want to continue to sort of think about how the world will end because the TV tasting things, people can't <laughs> taste things in real life anymore. Everything will just become crap and mundane. And will it really have nutritional value? No. That's the worst part. It will be a trick on your brain. But Just could imagine. this also be, could this be the start of Star Trek Replicators? No, I think it's a bit more sinister than that. It's the start of not actual sustenance, right? Imagine being given the illusion of a meal without it sustaining you. So you stay hungry and every time you get fed, off, it feels amazing it tastes amazing, but what's going on? I've still got no energy. I need more of this. I need more. I need more. And then, boop. Next Calibism. worker, please. Next <laughs> worker, please. God. Give them more artificial food that doesn't exist. Everything and then you take it a step further, and you could then apply that to things that you don't eat or shouldn't be eating and make them taste amazing. <laughs> Again, kind of like how a lot of the artificial stuff already works, but then imagine it times 10. Do you know how good a McDonald's would be, yet how bad? That yeah. cheeseburger would be literally made of cardboard at this point, right? Cardboard, uh, a drawing of where the cheese is supposed to be, but edible nonetheless, and it will taste even better than it does now because that's how damn good this tech will get. So this is definitely one to keep an eye on, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then what about if you make it sort of a uh, someone who overdoses on TV tasting, right? Goes too crazy on it and then gets like hyper-tastivity and starts walking around with all these unprompted taste reactions to everything they see. <laughs> How much more can the madness take? Well, it's going to be, because it's not going to be just, base, it's going to be like 3D films, isn't it? There's only certain films you can watch with the 3D glasses on. So Logic, there's going to yeah. be certain things that you can watch with the taste thing on. 
but the difference is it's one of those things that you can engineer to whatever you see fit as long as you've got the time resources and reason to mm. it's uh, it's interesting Very now if you could find a way to turn that kinetic energy from licking the tv back into powering whatever was going on <laughs> that would be impressive that would be amazing well eh? that would be a symbiotic relationship at that power point. your house by the power of tongue yeah, Again, we're back on porn. We're back onto porn. Go I over you... and lick the little wheel by the TV. Give it a little bit of a spin. Taste some kind of amazing meal. Thank you, TV. Good night, TV. Power up. <laughs> yeah, I think we should move on. Even though the even though the, the next story does involve nakedness. I think we need on TV is a little too hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do that again. So, a man has taken a photo of a naked alien with a bulbous head in an area that is believed to be a UFO hotspot. Okay. I'm not going to show you the photo, but I want you... just a kid or something, right? I want you to... (laughs) I want you to describe the photo without looking at it. It's going to be one of the grey things, right? The long, lanky, fat-headed... No particular features, distorted, really blurry, nothing particularly identifiable or distinguishable from that of a very oddly shaped or proportioned human being. It's just a blurry photo of a person. That's it. That's it. And you can even make out clothes. Yeah, aliens probably wouldn't need human clothes. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I'd be questioning is why is a person in the middle of nowhere? Because this was taken using, um, so it was a hunter captured an eerie image of what he thinks is a bulbous-headed naked alien in Redgate, Montana. And this was on a a trail cam. So it's while he was hunting, he has the cameras set up because hunters don't use their instincts anymore. They use technology. So he had cameras set up to see where things are. And this person... (laughs) I know, right? This person... The whole point of hunting, there's two components to hunting, right? Do you know what the first component is? Tracking. (laughs) <laughs> you gotta find that motherfucker first. Yeah. You use cameras. That's cheating. Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. <laughs> Completely with you. That's like getting a drone to find it for you, and then sort of chuck a rope at it while you walk over and lop its head off with a throwing axe. Yep. The last time I went fishing on my kayak. There was somebody else doing the same thing, and he had this like little sonar thing which tells him where light shoals of fish were. I don't. Why? And it's like, well, that sort of takes to me that takes the fun out of it. Well, I guess it depends on why you're doing it, right? If you're doing it for a profit, then those things are a natural necessity because now you have to compete with everyone else. That might it was have. just and like it becomes an endless spot arms race of technology. Yeah. It was just like me. He was sat in a little commercial kayak that he that he bought with a little fishing rod, and he had this thing. I don't even wear polarized sunglasses. Like polarized sunglasses actually help with fishing because you can actually see them. I don't even wear them. You can see the fish like when they're just under the surface of the of the water. I don't even wear them. For me, it's I'm either going home hungry or I'm going home with a bag of fish. Yeah. Well, that's part of the again. Like if you're going to do something natural, like fishing or hunting or 
even to the extent some of the meat industry should probably adopt some of this, then you should be doing it for a fucking reason, like old school, the way you were supposed to. You know, <laughs> if you can't kill something, then you probably weren't meant to eat it. Agree. And if it can kill you and poses a risk, then you should fucking fight to the death, right? So my, my dad always, to eat you if you lose. <laughs> my dad always called vegetarian shit hunters. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a, a long joke. Although I don't think it applies as much these days. Not these days, though. Mad, there are lots of reasons to be vegetarian or vegan these days. Well, I'd argue that the big push is because of Surprise, surprise, technology going crazy again. We can literally grow lab-grown meat. Yeah, which I th- I'm all up for. I think that's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. I'm just saying it's the fact that it's one of those things where technology sort of went, I know, let's take the, the one thing we can't naturally produce by ourselves and just by ourselves. Kind of a odd. You'd think they'd focus on making the things that were already considered like viable diets more accessible instead of going into something that, again, it goes back to farming, right? Think about it like this. You ask a farmer how they sow their seeds, how they grow their crops, how they harvest their crops, and then what happens from there and so on and so forth, right? There's a whole process. There's a skill to it. There's an art. If you are creating food by digital means, you've taken that art and monopolized it. So now, instead of teaching people how to make their own food, it will be controlled by one power, and then everyone will starve if they don't do as they're told. Yeah. It's just another way of sort of gaming the system once again. It was the same with like when they had uh, certain markets introduced that any old cowboy couldn't just grow his own whatever because it might not be fit to eat or this or that and you had to go through paperwork and to a degree it's all necessary but then there's a point where people are like uh no this is this is my livelihood not yours fuck off i'll grow the grain thank you. <laughs> you can you can pick up the rubbish billy <laughs> Yes, I will. I will grow the food, and I will tell you how much food you can or can't. Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? That's what it comes down to, isn't it? Everything's a bit about power and control, and unfortunately, yeah. the cynic in me can't help but see all these new technologies just more and more scary means of potential control. This reminded me of a, this old uh, Saxon story about witchcraft and about the difference between white magic and black magic. We might have heard it, but I don't remember. So I'll I'll have to do a really quick version of it. So there was a village, um, and on the south side of the village, there was a forest, and in the forest lived a solitary hunter uh, who used witchcraft, which is classed as black magic. And um, that's cheating as well. To (laughs) to attract animals for him to kill, and they throughout the winter they had always had a tough time in the winter so um they used to go to the hunter and the hunter would supply them with meat and skins and hides for clothes and whatnot um and he used like i say he used black magic to attract the animals to kill 
And then one day this uh, sorcerer turned up and he used white magic to make crops grow in the, vi- in the fi- fields of the village. And they were just like, this is amazing. So we get all this stuff from the guy that does black magic and we get all this stuff from the guy who does white magic. And the guy who does white magic, because the crops were growing and the, fi- the village was starting to grow because of him, because of what he was doing, he demanded to have the biggest house in the village. He demanded that, you know, he gets the first batch of crops he gets this he gets that where the guy in the forest using black magic was just still doing everything that he usually did and yeah, that's exactly it, it that and that sto- that story is actually used i don't you know obviously it's not a real it's not real events it might be based on real events but it's, well, i think uh, the most poignant thing there is the story identifies both of these people as people beyond the capabilities of men right as people that are somewhat beyond already and know this and therefore well, the the point of the story is to show that um just because somebody it's all about uh, it's all about magic and it's just because somebody practices white magic doesn't mean they're good and no. just because somebody practices black magic doesn't mean they're evil oh 100% that's that's the point of the story is to show that white magic black magic isn't good and evil that's a christian um uh, invention good and evil are the same thing in some capacity yeah. one can't exist without the other is the definite my definition that i was always taught growing up studying philosophy all of that is evil is just a deficit of good it's mm. it's just there where good isn't <laughs> like there's either one or the other yeah because the main point as well well, well well one of the other points of that story is the guy in the forest and the black magic he would i was like get everything that he needs to survive and then give the rest of the village mm. where the guider in white magic would do everything for the village, but he'd take what he for wanted himself. first yeah. and then give the rest to the village. It's, it's, yeah, it's about like sort of morals and magic and stuff. But before, see, this is my thing. Your thing is signalation theory and you get lost in that and I get lost in talking about I the think it's, <laughs> Wait until we get to the crossover episode of Magical Simulation. Oh, God. That will only be a thing if somebody actually comes up with magical powers. No. Like Hollywood it's... magic, not real world magic. Um, th- Just for a minute. All right, I'm going to morph it. We need to talk about naked aliens in Montana. What if I told you? <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on. What were you going to say? Go on. Richard aliens, man. Because I, I didn't hear that speak. Rituals are magic. Yeah, rituals are magic. That's the point of them. Society is a ritual. Giant, where we all do our piece for this big giant entity to keep working that doesn't exist. You sound you sound like one of them QAnon idiots who were saying that wearing face masks and standing six feet apart is a black magic ritual. No, the difference is I didn't say anything about black magic. I just said a ritual in the, the same way that if you practice and repeat a behaviour enough, guess what? Surprise conditioning. That's magic, but it ain't magic. Yeah, it's just it's what you call it that's what with my when i practice magic it can all be explained in a scientific way but you know everything scientific can be explained in a magical way yeah exactly of course which then makes people realize how silly they've been 
You fools! <laughs> you fools! Right, anyway, so yeah. So this naked alien was apparently seen in... <laughs> moving on. Well, it's uh, a, no- a nothing, isn't it? He's trying to be famous. He's like, look at me, I was hunting with all my super-duper equipment and I found a weird thing. Don't pay attention to the super-duper fancy hotshot yeah. equipment and how great of a hunter I'm not going to share my screen just so you can look at a photo of a blurry person. Um, but if you want to look it up, you can. Uh, I've got this from this from the Mirrors website. Look, I think we're at the Which day and age. You everything now. you need to know. If we're at the day and age now, right, where having blurry photos is just not excusable. Yeah, if you're wearing a fucking trail camera on your head at all times, you are not having a blurry picture. Do you understand me? <laughs> that shit's going to be 4K, 60 FPS, just like a GoPro. So why is it a blurry picture? Because it's not real. That's it. Exactly. But saying that, though, I did try and take a photo last night at about, what time was it? It's about 11 o'clock or something. I went out for a fag break while I was working. For the Americans, that's a cigarette break. Yeah, not, <laughs> do have homos- in America. not homosexual <laughs> solicitation. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of job does Andy do? <laughs> it's time for the gay man break. One day, someone's going to come up with a bunch of out of context, like bits that we said, and it will be like, oh, mate. I'll do it. The set boy will have a field day. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, so yeah, I went out for a cigarette break. I wanted to take a photo of this guy because, for the, like, I don't know what it was about last night. Um, but you could see the stars so fucking clearly, and it was beautiful. You know, I I work. It's not in really. It's on the outskirts of the town centre in Brighton, so it is usually awash with light pollution. But last night you could see the stars so clearly. I wanted to take a photo, but they didn't come up. You couldn't see them on my screen on my phone. Do you know what? I'm going to take that as a sign someone somewhere is trying to combat climate change uh, yeah, like we all should yeah but that's that's like the first sort of visible change mm. that you'll see isn't it being able to actually see the shit around you clearer yeah because you usually usually you can't in that especially in that part i mean you it's um clifton hill you know where that is yeah. uh, seven dials yeah, around seven hours, could see the stars perfectly, clearly. Yeah, it, it was lovely. Usually in that area, can't. But I mean, everything's been kind of quiet the last while. You know, people aren't working, industrialization's kind of cut out a bit. Do you not think there's a bit of a coefficient with. <laughs> well, see, because this was all happening. An intentional change. I'm not saying yeah. it was an intended one that everyone. This was all happening in 2020 with the first lockdown in the UK. There was loads of, we, I mean, we discussed this briefly last week. You know, there was loads of changes and the air in the cities was getting nicer. I mean, even like uh, the ocean here in Brighton, the sea was so much clearer and so much bluer and just lovely. Yeah, you hear that water companies? Uh, it was nicer. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Stop dumping shit in the ocean. Literal shit. Literal shit. Animals live in there, people swim in there. No, they don't. Well, they should, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have our very own swamp thing soon. 
season. But is it going to be um, pre-Alan Moore or post-Alan Moore? Do you know the difference? Nope. It'll probably be both. It's my favourite character retcon DC Comics have ever done. I love it. So the original idea for Swamp Thing was he was a guy who got doused in chemicals, jumped into a swamp, and he became a swamp monster. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then Alan Moore, <laughs> Alan Moore happened to the swamp to the Swamp Thing series, and he retconned it. It's not actually the man. It's just swamp matter. The the guy died, and all this swamp matter became sentient and thought it was this guy. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's very Alan sort Moore, of, uh... Alan Moore's like, let's take this really campy character and make it dark as fuck. It's not dark. It's, that's a bit more... It's like nature, nature's vengeance. <laughs> fuck with the earth and the earth's gonna fuck with you. And all these like, experimental <laughs> chemicals that this scientist was creating that he got doused in caused the swamp matter to, to come alive. It's so good. So, so good. Saga of the Swamp Thing by Alan Moore. Everybody read it. It's so good. Well, then we so good. have the latter Swamp King thing. Swamp King or Swamp Thing. Both are scary. And be, <laughs> the thing is, it'll be sea themed. So does that mean because there's more water and more swamp technically that we get a kaiju? Well, there we go. Oh, God. Imagine if kaijus became real. We are going on such a massive tangent. So, yeah, so, guys... They already are real. <laughs> we thought about them, therefore they exist. <laughs> oh, Matt Smith with the magical thinking. <laughs> Existentialism. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but, yeah, so, apparently this area, this town called Deer Lodge in Montana... Is a hot spot for UFO activity, which is probably why he looked at it. Because there's something interesting that he said. What was it? Um, I've lost it now. Uh, so, yeah, he initially thought the creature was a person, but the more he looked at the image, he became convinced it had extraterrestrial origins. So he said, uh, the more I look at it, it was just odd. It was out of place, and everything just matches the alien persona, the bigger bulbous head. Uh, you can tell he has no clothes. It's kind of a transparent being. It's not. It's just, it's it's a night vision camera, so it's a grey person that's blurry. That sounds like that it, psychological phenomena, where the more you look for the, the weird, the more you look for something in something, the more likely you are to Yeah, of course. Crikey, that's a really yeah. different thing to say it's there's i mean don't get me wrong it is blatantly there is a being in this photo and it's a person it's not only it's a person you can tell the head isn't even that bulbous even if it is an alien why it looks stop and take a photo instead of going all right yeah how you doing it looks all like are are you an alien that guy we discussed last week who started shooting at aliens in a car park Crikey, yeah, don't do that. Just go up and be like, yo, what's up? Like clown mask. You're, uh, you know, how you doing? Welcome to Earth. Uh, my name's Matt. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Can I help? Have you tried this sweet curry dip from McDonald's? <laughs> no, we, we don't try feeding them human food straight away because I've seen War of the Worlds and it could go the other way where the <laughs> yeah. nice aliens are killed by mustard. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. We so make cute. best friends with aliens, right? And we've got like this amazing civilization crossover and everything like that. And then we introduce them to fucking sugar. And they will die. <laughs> A whole civilization wiped out by pot noodles. That's how simple it would be. <laughs> we don't even know if they have a way of contemplating the existence of sugar, never mind metabolizing it. Mm, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Could be like nu- gobbling up nuclear fallout or something. <laughs> Who knows? The best friendly aliens might actually be fueled on eating nuclear material. They're the real winners. So it gets complicated. So yeah, but yeah, to me the photo just looks like a guy in a hoodie. That's it. Yeah. Oh yeah, and next, next. So new year, new whack job. Oh, here we go. A clairvoyant has made predictions for 2022. You mean the year we're in now? Yep. Wait, wait, wait. Let me guess. Is it something along the lines of? Wait. Let me just sell this like it's a movie. 2022, this year, bringing you potentially vague destruction, massively overhyped hysteria, and Tuesday events of the nth degree. So she has... There are some vagities in there, of course, but (laughs) but there is also some quite specific ones as well. Are they specific based on obvious things that are obviously going to happen as a result of current events? Unless they well, she uses she, she's unlikely. she's um, an asparamancer is what they're calling her. Oh, is this the one that licks asparagus? <laughs> <laughs> she uses asparagus to make her predictions. Yeah, um, she, I'm yeah. not sure I trust the scientific method. <laughs> I love the fact, out of all of the things, all of the things that I bring to this show, the one thing that you're like, oh, I already know about this. No, (laughs) I just, I I genuinely thought it was a joke headline and I scrolled past it because I thought, oh, or filler in the news or (laughs) random nonsense to make people go, what, you can read fortunes with asparagus? No, you can't. That's the point of the story. It's ridiculous. It's like me saying to you, I've predicted the future. And you go, how? And I go, I saw it in a dream. <laughs> how much uh, quantifiable evidence have we got? Yeah, there? exactly. Uh, I'll give you a clue. Nothing. <laughs> Not even so, a smidge. So, yeah, so um, she's British. Ah, well, oh, good. Well, I guess having that. Asparagus is nasty. You'd have to have quite. I like asparagus. It's the most annoyingly underwhelming food I've ever had in my life, right? <laughs> Here in the UK, when you get asparagus, it's treated as a fucking luxury, right? If they put it in there, you're paying an extra two, three quid just for the sticks of weird tasting soured green, right? Yeah. And then the worst part is it doesn't really have a taste. It's just there. I like asparagus. It does nothing. It brings fried, nothing. A, fried asparagus is amazing. It just brings nothing. I don't uh, put it in a stew. Cool. I might taste some remnant of it or a 
piece of it or but it's just a nothing. I'd rather have a piece of lettuce. At least it's got a crunch to it and a bit of a icy texture. Or celery with that. Mm. I've got a bunch of celery in my fridge at the minute. It's just like as, asparagus is rich man's celery. That's all it is. <laughs> or even better, rich man's Again, that's leek. our episode. Nothing that we can say now can rich be Rich man's leek or rich man's rich celery. Man. It's interchangeable depending on summer or winter, right? <laughs> I like asparagus. It's called asparagus we... spears, for Christ's sake. How pretentious is that? <laughs> Everyone else gets sticks. <laughs> I'm trying to carry on with the story. Yeah, I'm right. just trying to Finish make it right. right. <laughs> Matt's taking yeah. a stand on asparagus. Put a spear of asparagus and call it luxury. <laughs> Load of shit. <laughs> <laughs> look it's oh, the same great, sort of trigger for me yeah. as brioche on a burger for you it's just like an unnecessarily pretentious step <laughs> fair enough all right fair enough i don't think i went on, went on that much of a rant about brioche on burgers. no you did but that's <laughs> You made that real. Just next time you try asparagus, just remember my point and tell me it's not underwhelmed. I'm so gonna, right? I'm so gonna get some asparagus next time I go food shopping. If I've oh, ruined it God. for you, I'm both sorry and proud because you've realised <laughs> the truth of the matter. <laughs> oh. God, my face is aching. I haven't smiled this much for days. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you find it a joke? <laughs> anyway, this psychic medium, who has been nicknamed the Asparamancer, which is oh. just amazing, has already got the most British name I've ever heard. Her name is Jemima Packington. Okay. That's that is that is an English name. That is, a, is that a real name or a pseudonym? Real name. Because that sounds awfully similar to Jemima Buddleduck. <laughs> It is, and it's that's her that real was name. dear Beatrix, wasn't it? Yes, it's Beatrix Potter. Uh, but yeah, so her technique: she throws, <laughs> she throws a bundle of asparagus into the air, and then reads the patterns that the vegetables make when they hit the ground. So you're playing pickup sticks and <laughs> with spears of asparagus. <laughs> Crikey, lockdown broke a lot of us, but that is <laughs> so. She has made correct. She made correct uh, forecasts for 2021, so people are like really looking at what she's saying. She could just be a very insightful woman. <laughs> the asparagus <laughs> could just be that extra bit of fancy. Be the case, but yeah. So, so she's she does this every year, um, and she's released her. Uh, prediction so among that this isn't everything that she said but among the 20 visions for this year that she reportedly divined from 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 asparagus is that shouldn't it be 22 uh, yeah <laughs> she's added every year or she's yeah, had so the census on the the royal family will experience more sadness by the way of scandals and worse oh really you think yeah so 
to me, that's pretty obvious. I mean, we all know what's happening with Prince Andrew at the moment. We all know he's still on trial and that that's going to go on for a while. So, yeah, until that ends, guess what? Correct prediction. Ding, 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 ding. We got a winner. And also, you know, let's face it, that the Queen's going to die this year. <laughs> she's well, she's getting on I a bit. We've lost Betty White. We've, lo- we've lost Betty White. I do um, honestly feel for her as a human being. I think that losing your husband, having your kids fighting, having your family sort of breaking up, realising that the modern day is just not what you expected. She must be having one of the toughest times out yes, of all of them. She, she can't confide rough, in anyone. Rough time. So that's, that's horrible for her as a human being. But I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. She asked for it by being queen. That's just what the role comes with. Like... Yep. If you're gonna be on a level above everyone else, and then you, can't, you have to live aside, don't you? You can turn it down. Her uncle did. Exactly. There's rules, roles, and responsibilities. Yeah, that, that's what the, that's what the film, The King's Speech, is pretty much about. <laughs> I don't want to necessarily highlight successes either, because everything's a bit more contextual than that. It's all a battle of time and values over time, and everyone having different things and yeah there were positives but there were also a lot of negatives and everything's a bit of a mess as a result you know so truth would be nice let's put it that way (laughs) (laughs) exactly but yeah so that that was one of one of her predictions another one is people will adapt to living with covid as part of our everyday lives and international tensions will continue to simmer but there will be no outright conflict this coming year yeah, because yeah. people have got their own shit to deal with. For fuck's sake, how dumb of a prediction re- is that? Really vague and really obvious as well. Uh, well, that's literally a narration of what's already going on. Yes. I mean, yeah. It's uh, right now. You know, we we have all got this crazy, infectious, highly virulent version of the magic virus that's going around. And sure, it's it's the least lethal it's ever been, but it doesn't make it any less of a problem. It's still something that's causing a lot of issues for everything and everyone. It's going to go on for as long as it goes on for. Yeah. Herd immunity was the original plan of the government. I don't think that despite their back and forth, there was ever any intention for it to be otherwise. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget the flu was once the same as... Okay, that was once an outbreak. That was once a pandemic. Influenza. Yeah. And now we live with that. Well, by very nature of calling it a pandemic in the way that we have, I'd argue that we've given it more significance than necessarily needed. You know, it's the first virus to get social media coverage. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. That's it. So uh, I think that plays hand in hand with kind of the the crisis response that we're looking at you know we can come together and respond to a crisis but at the same time you can't just expect everyone to be having the same crisis yeah so do you want to um hear some of her specific yeah i want to hear something so the movie uh, the power of the dog will win the oscar for best picture and benedict cumberbatch will earn best actor well, earn, earn a Best Actor nomination. I think the movie's out now. I think it's out. I think it's on Netflix. I agree I, that Benedict ben will win something, but that's because he's in two... Well, he's in Multiverse of Madness and Spider-Man, right? Yeah. 
So obviously the guy has huge exposure to the world from yeah. that. And, and Plus he's, he's a good French. actor. He's a fucking amazing actor. He's, yeah, exactly. We've seen. I've, well, I saw Sherlock. I've seen The Hobbit. I've seen all sorts of things and all sorts of di- different inc- incarnations. Um, have I you loved seen, him in Star Trek. Have you seen The Imitation Game? No. He plays Alan Turing. He's amazing in that. That does sound good. It's really good. It is actually really yeah, good. I, it's all I, about the Enigma machine, and it's so yeah, it's amazing. I think he's legitimately the, one of the best British actors we've got at the moment. Mm. Um, well, yeah. in terms of range and versatility, I think Tom Hardy's up there. I think Tom Holland's doing well for himself, but he's still he's going to be young. moving away from that. He's still he's young, gonna... isn't he? He's got a branch yeah. out. He's actually not as young as he looks either. Well, no, I mean young in the acting world. Yeah, he's, he's not got an established. Yeah, yeah think, so this this film, The Power of the Dog, if it's the one that I'm thinking of, I think it's kind of a sort of western without being a western. I think it's a drama set in the Wild West. Well, here's the thing about predictions. Have you heard of the self fulfilling prophecy? Yes. Yeah. So by her calling it a prediction and everyone else going, I wonder if that will come true. There is every likelihood that. Just because of that prophecy existing, it ends up being made true by the hands of small actions from everyone gradually leaning it in that direction. So it's going to be interesting to wait and see. I don't think you can. That's a. I've never heard of this film. I haven't seen it. I've not had any press coverage or exposure to what it's going to be about. It doesn't sound like it could be anything. The only thing, if it's the film, if it's the film that I'm thinking, I should have researched it, I should have looked it up before we recorded this, but if it's the film that I think it is, the only thing I know about it is that because his character smokes and instead of using the fake cigarettes that they usually use, he insisted on using real, on smoking real cigarettes. That's the only thing. That's the only thing I know about this film. Props to him for authenticity. So yeah, but um, so um, the last one that's in this article as well, she she foresees Croatia winning the World Cup, but noted that the event will be fraught with controversy. Again, if FIFA involved, there's going to be controversy because FIFA are an evil corporation. I think you've just got to look at the state of international football and realise how different... Corrupt everything is. Well, it's the fact that it's just... It's it's got way too much money in it for a start. I'm sorry. You know, I'm not saying footballers aren't skilled and worth paying for, but I am saying that they're definitely probably not worth that much. To see the real corruption within FIFA, have a look at what happened. I'm not going to go into it, but have a look at what happened uh, when the World Cup was in Brazil, especially the aftermath. It's disgusting. And FIFA are one of the most corrupt organisations on the planet. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. They're terrible. Um, But yeah, so predictions for 2021 that she got correct. But bear uh, in mind, we're all sorry just to final off that last bit but we're also talking about a world event post-pandemic do you really think the first event that everyone's brought together post-pandemic is going to go well exactly we've all forgotten how to fucking human yeah we have i guarantee you so there will be all sorts of fights and all sorts of altercations just on the fact that people forgot how to people yeah, and football fans like stereotypically and generally are kind of aggressive. Emotionally driven. Yes, 
definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, like I, you know, the city. I, I come from Derby, and it's a very football-driven city. Like you cannot escape football in we, that city at all. And their well. big Derby County's biggest rival is Nottingham Forest, and that's literally a thirty-minute bus drive away. And it, incomp- it even it goes beyond football. Like I, I remember some of my friends who are like diehard Derby County supporters just refusing to go to Nottingham because it's Nottingham. And it's like, Nottingham's a great city. There's loads of cool stuff. They've got, you know, Rock City is one of the best fucking music venues in the country. It's like... It's probably the least modern, modern invention we have, right? It's old school tribes. Yes. All sort of like value. There's no values, in fact. You don't ally with anything in na- but in name. Do you know what I mean? When I see Brighton and Hove Albion footballers playing, chances are I probably don't know any. Yeah. Some of them might be from Brighton, some of them might not be. Again, you don't really know. It's just that label that's put on it to then, oh, that is, I have in common with me, therefore this is my tribe, you know, those identifiers and those lock ins. But uh, it's so, I'm not saying it's wrong to be a supporter or anything like that. It's just wrong to marry your ideology in any kind of sense, isn't it? You shouldn't yeah. be that committed to it where you forget logic. Wait a minute, hang on. Why are we? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But yeah, so a couple of uh, things that she got right for last year, for 2021, uh, was the death of Prince Philip. Which, again... He was this... in hospital for about eight months. Uh, yeah. And was going through, well, again, and, he... and the Queen. There was a massive... Order. He was old as well. Predicting that a 90-something-year-old man's going to die, I don't... That's... Again, I don't mean to sound rude. It's more like an Do informed... not think they knew a bit more about it than she did? Yeah. So the fact that everyone was kind of carrying on as normal was intended. They weren't going to sit there and tell you everything that was wrong with them because then yeah. you'd worry and that would be the talk of the news. Surprise, exactly. you know. Yeah, and another thing dignity that's not right... Dignity is still a big thing. We like yeah. dignity. We do. It's important. But nothing that she got right was the birth of uh, Harry and Meghan's second child. Again, that's a fucking thing nine months plus in the making. That's over a year preparation for an event that you know will happen. Yeah. Um, but things that she got wrong was that um, Donald Trump would be disowned by the Republican Party. Well. Obviously, that didn't happen. He wasn't disowned. Um, no, but there has been conflict, which again was indicated for a long did time. Did you know? Okay, so we're it's, it's the sixth. It's the sixth of January today. It's a year since the Capitol insurrection that happened a year ago today. He was going to do a speech to celebrate it. Of course, he was. After all that, saying that he wasn't involved and he didn't agree with it, and now he's going to uh, he was going to do a speech to celebrate. He's still going to do it. He's just not doing it today. Okay, let me ask you a, a question here. Guy's a dick. What's the difference between Mark Zuckerberg and Donald Trump? Short um, question. One's in government and has rallied say, a following. I'd They're say both cult leaders. As well. I'd say intentions because I honestly think Mark Zuckerberg's intentions when he started what he started were different to what the intentions are now. And Donald Trump has never had good intentions for anything that he's done. 
I think that both of them had good intentions for themselves and the people around them. Yeah, that's... (laughs) I don't think there was good (laughs) intentions for everyone. That's the difference. Right, fair enough. You know, I don't think Mark tried to... Like, think about any idea you have in business that you intend to sell. I think Mark Zuckerberg's been vilified a lot. I, I agree, but I also want to point out the reason we know him by name and res- uh, everything Facebook and Met is because he's made himself his own sort of tech cult leader, right? So now we've got modern day tech tribalism going on. Yeah. Where you've got, are you an Elon follower or a, or a, uh, a Musk supporter? Are you a, they're no different from your Trump. Or your yeah, but this has always been the case, though. It's like the whole Xbox versus PlayStation, um, Android versus iOS, Samsung versus Apple. Is... I agree, but the difference is now those companies have faces and names attached to them. Yeah. Individuals that well, are yeah, entirely I... attributable to their success. Like, yeah, the Bill part. Gates versus Steve Jobs, even though they were, like, really close friends. But you don't look at Microsoft and then say, oh, Some... know, and Bill Gates does his part. <laughs> No, it's all Bill Gates and Microsoft was his child. That's yeah. the difference of the modern day. We've attributed these individuals to essentially being gods, and they're not. They abuse the system. Yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't get enough? Um, who doesn't get enough sort of press? Is Steve Wozniak? Yeah, the Woz is that great. Guy's a legend. I've been reading. <laughs> I've read a few things about him recently, and he's just like the biggest prankster going. That's because he's a normal dude still. That's the difference. If you look up the difference between him and Steve Jobs, what do you think the key metric will be? Um, The main difference is that um, Steve Wozniak didn't lose sight of who he was or who he is. Precisely. They they had a clash of ideology and they went their separate ways. And that megalomaniac that everybody sort of looks at and reveres that is uh, Steve Jobs actually probably wasn't a very nice guy. Yeah, it's that you can't be attributing the work of thousands and thousands and thousands of individual pieces to just one person and expect them not to go mad with power. Before we move on to the main topic, a story that I read recently of Steve Wozniak. Um, he used to he he had like the highest score on Tetris for years. Yeah, I know, and. He, <laughs> Um, Nintendo Power magazine. He'd always like send hit, send in his scores, and it, like he's breaking his own records pretty much every week. Yeah. And they stopped printing it because it was the same guy, and they just got pissed off with him. So he sent him in under a pseudonym, which was um, I can't remember what it was now, but it was an anagram of his own name. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, like, I remember it being a, a history. You know, don't forget. Yeah. I've tried to play Tetris for a long time. I love it. Uh, and he, uh, yeah, and like he used to just prank everyone and do this really crazy shit. <laughs> it was like, well, that's that's fun, isn't it? I didn't it's really know much about it. His inner child and his innocence. Yeah, and there's I a lot of healthy psycho- psychology at work in that man. And I think it's important to acknowledge that just because he's less famous doesn't make him less good of a fucking human. I'd argue it makes him better. Yeah. yeah. You know, he can live for himself, not for others. Right, so now yeah. Secret Societies. Oh no, they're real. I didn't know and now they're real. 
They are real. I mean, so... How shall we start talking about secret societies, Matt? How shall we start this? Shall we start with the etymology? Yeah, should we list off some of the easy ones that are kind of overlapping? Because it's easier to condense it into different types. Yeah, right? the, the the obvious <laughs> well-known. So you've got people like the we'll call them the NWOs, the New World Orders, right? <laughs> yeah, well, because a lot of them have been sort of lumped in with that conspiracy. But you've got like the Masons, uh, Skull and Bones. Um, you've got the Bohemian Grove. Um, Modern interpretations uh, of the Illuminati, as we covered before. Exactly, that's it. And with the etymology, because one thing that I hear so much is, uh, well, if we know about them, they're obviously not that secret. It's like that's not what the name means. A secret society isn't a society that you're not supposed to know about. You're just not supposed to know what they do. The greatest lie is that with the most truth attached to it, because it's the hardest to distinguish. <laughs> Yeah. Once how, you stop blurring them, that's when it's a better lie. How do you view secret societies? Do you think they're a good thing? Do you think they're a bad thing? Or are you neutral? I think it depends on context quite a lot. I mean, when you think about it, things like MI5 are a secret society, but they're a secret society we condone to operate in secret because we know that there are other secret societies, kind of like the shadow factions of every country. You know, they interact with each other and sort of. You see, I I wouldn't I wouldn't call them a secret society. They're an organisation. They're still a society. Their their job it's it's a job. Whereas secret societies, spies can't talk to anyone that's not a spy. They can't just have everyday conversations with people. Therefore, they're removed from society by being in that job. They can't act like normal people. To me, a secret society a secret society is like a club or a group that you choose to join. And that's the initial part of it. But anyone can join a club. The actual part is living the secrecy. I think that's the key aspect of it. Like, yeah. you know, a spy can't afford to have everything on out in the open, so they have to live quite reserved and quite quiet lives. Their social lives will be very limited. You know, they might interact with people in the same sort of circle, whether it be foreign spies or their own spies or whatever else, the majority of their interactions are going to be with people in that society. So by definition, they would technically be an isolated secret society, but they're one we still accept in our normal society. They're not uh, hushed off or sort of pushed away or rejected for having their own agenda because their agendas and our agendas are still overlapping. Right. They're still the same mutual cause for the secrecy i see your point it's like having a but it's like arms theory isn't it you know sure you can say no one should have weapons and no one should kill everyone but the fact of the matter is someone somewhere will have a weapon so you're left with the conundrum of being unarmed or having the same fighting chance so you know everyone reluctantly picks up a sword and is now armed and it might be inconvenient to have to deal with it but at least now if someone comes at you with a sword you're on an even playing field instead of being a victim you know again then when someone upgrades to a bow you get a bow and so on and so forth and it keeps everything in check it's the balance of life yeah the same is true with society we have a certain threshold of of societal weapons at our disposal (laughs) you know when you think about things like um it's it's been magnified 
an infinitesimal amount since the internet because now we have the ability to collaborate on a global scale like that but originally when information was controlled and it was doctored and that was an art that was a skill you know if the messenger had to deliver a message to the king he had to think of the words that would keep him alive <laughs> that wouldn't piss the king off so yeah. it's going to be a, a half truth it's going to be all of the relevant true information delivered in the best possible format so that it doesn't seem as bad until you get out of the room and fuck off <laughs> and he's got time to think about it you know uh, there's a lot of smoke screens at play we've accepted in modern day lies are commonplace haven't we yeah oh definitely most definitely lies and secrecy are just part of day to day everyone has their own lies and secrets whether you saint or sinner you're full of shit because everyone does it whether intentionally or not it's just part of life the yeah. real sort of you know once it comes to that revelation that you have lied or are lying or whatever else the real question is do you stop now for the most that part from an lie, exactly from an ideological perspective yes of course i should not lie that is wrong but then you get into a situation where if you don't lie things are exponentially worse <laughs> you know oh do i do i look nice today no oh fuck you know what i mean <laughs> and sure you weren't necessarily being rude or being crass and maybe there was more to it but because of that straight up boom reaction and that lack of consideration now you're in trouble so it's very much a balancing act of, of i think you should tell as much truth as necessary but i don't think you should lie hmm. not everyone has the right to know everything but what's the difference between lie, lies and secrets? Uh, one is denied. The other is still there. It's just not faced. So are secret societies a bad thing? Yeah, psychologically for all people in the secret society, I would see it only as a mental health detriment to them. They're all going to go fucking insane. Because anything that would affect a normal human being and we've seen a lot more mental but illness is, recently is it tenfold but the thing is i mean secret society is you're not just contained within that society you can go like like the masons for example take freemasonry that's just something that you do like once a week yeah if it's normal if it's, life the rest of it if it's that's a, mainly what secret societies are well, it depends. It's right? not like how, a how much of community, like, like in the village. <laughs> it's not well, like... It depends. It's not... How much are you interacting with that secret society? Because the very nature of it being a secret society means it's separate to normal society. So you could overlap them in places, but there would have to be strict divides for certain things, you know? Yes, of course. It would be like talking business out at a party. You know, you, you don't do it. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, kind of, of it. it's kind of the same uh, say if we decide we want a, a third host on this podcast are we just going to open the doors to anyone or are we going to vet people and are we going to not that we are having a third person on the podcast well i mean i think the fairest process would be to hold an application you know and then probably vet and thin it down gradually because the unfortunate nature is there would be a lot more than one applicant and you'd have to filter it down 
but we but, need to find so we'd need to find the right person to fit in as a host with us two. So how is that different to secret societies uh, not allowing everybody in? Because the difference is how you judge the right people, how you distinct how how different you are to everyone else, and whether there's some sort of apartheid at work or segregation you know what i mean well, that's, i think that's a bit extreme <laughs> not really because you think about it but when you look at like um any difference is something that can be preyed upon right so when we talk about stuff these days like sexism and racism and things like that i think it's more important to tackle the fundamental issue here and that is humans say dumb shit when they're angry when they're emotionally compromised right they're attacking so they're saying whatever they can find to dislodge that person, whether it's right or wrong. The whole point is it's now a psychological battle of wills between the two participants. Yeah. But once you take that argument out of those two comp participants, suddenly when it's on display for everyone, the tactics are there to scrutinize. You see what I mean? Yeah. But those yeah. people in the heat at the moment, they're not thinking about whether they're racist or whether they're sexist. They're just trying to hurt the person hurting them. It's that simple. It's straight up retaliation. It's non. A lot of the time, the context is irrelevant. That's not to say there aren't racists and sexists that go out deliberately with that in mind to provoke and pursue and be completely obnoxious and horrible. But the majority of it comes from an innate sort of reactionary need to hurt the person hurting you, right? It's retaliatory. <laughs> so once you sort of cut out the need to retaliate, once you sort of accept that people don't necessarily intend the worst all the time they still do again you can't be ignorant yeah but you have to accept there's a balance in the universe <laughs> if everyone were intending the worst for everyone else society well we wouldn't exist we'd all be dead so would you say all secret societies are harmful yes but Bear that might be limited only to their participants, is what I'm trying to say. Bear in mind, when we did our episode about the Illuminati, yeah, uh, the Bavarian Illuminati, which is the only sort of official Illuminati group, which doesn't exist anymore, was set up, and you said this yourself, it was set up for yeah. no reasons. Yeah. Because um, Adam Reishaupt started the secret society to go against religion's control over science the difference is why was that a secret because that was a secret because, because religion was law religion exactly. was law if, if they it wasn't a secret they were dead yeah so the only way to be that society was in secret in the same way you know when you look at something like in fiction like muggles and wizards you know the only way a wizarding world can exist is away from the people world because they can't coexist they're different there's a fundamental difference in ideology one will persecute the other that is understandable but okay. at the same time we've come to a day and age where that secrecy is no longer necessary so it shouldn't be applied anymore okay so i've got another um secret society this is a bit of an obscure secret society my mic seems to have moved bear with me Right. So this is this is another defunct. It's, it's it's no longer a thing, but this is an old one from the 1700s, uh, and it's a very obscure one. Okay, and to that to the point where, on Wikipedia, it's two paragraphs. 
<laughs> about this. So this secret society was known as the Order of the Pug. Sounds fun. So it was a paramasonic society founded by Roman Catholics. Is around 1738 by somebody called Clemens August of Bavaria. So it's another Bavarian thing. Um, and it, they set it up to bypass the crown's, um, it's called In Eminati Apostolatus. My Latin is so bad. Which is a papal bill issued by Pope Clement XII um, banning Catholics from becoming Freemasons. Oh, so, so it's just a loophole exploit. Kind of, yeah. Um, For the time, obviously. Yeah. So the constitution of the Order of the Pug allowed women to become members, which was odd because until recently, even the Masons didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they had to be Catholic. So this was this was set up. um, Because Catholics weren't allowed to join the Freemasons. So then they said, well, we want to be in secret society, so we'll set our own up. And the Pug, as in the dog, the Pug, was chosen as a symbol of loyalty, trustworthiness, and steadiness. Now, members called themselves Mops, which is German for Pug. Mm-hmm. Novices were initiated wearing a dog collar and had to scratch at the door to get in. Uh, the novices were blindfolded and led nine times around a carpet with symbols on it, while the Pugs of the Order barked loudly to test the steadiness of the newcomers. Okay, so all we need to do is look at the last two sentences there to fully outline why all secret societies are harmful. Can we just... They're not fucking monitored. So eventually, norms don't apply. It's not normal to make someone degrade themselves in that manner. That's the kind of shit you see at hazing. Can we, can we just imagine what it's like to, have, to be in a room blindfolded and hearing, like, ten pugs all barking at the same time. Well, yeah. The other... Because uh, they don't have a normal bark. No, of course not. But I'd <laughs> imagine the obvious other implication is... Uh, it would be a very good way to have everyone on the same level playing field is by having everyone potentially open to scandal if they upset the group. Yeah. So the initiation go, go, um, carries on. During the initiation, uh, the novices also, they had to kiss a porcelain pug's backside under its tail as an expression of devotion to the order, which that goes to um, what you were just saying about uh, submission, hazing, um, humiliation. Um, members of the order carried a pug medallion made of silver. Um, I tried to find out if anybody had one, if I could find a photo of it, but I couldn't. If anybody does, please, uh, let, please, you know. Do you know it. why this one's a secret I really society? Want to see it. Because it's ridiculous. Not just ridiculous, it's obscene. These are the kind of things that you'd probably get tried for if they weren't yeah. under a certain so. set of circumstances. Yeah, so there was a book that was published in Amsterdam which exposed the order. Um, and that included the ritual and two engravings um, illustrating the, the, the rite. The order was banned by Cottingen University in 1748, so that's 10 years after it started. Um, there was Lodge Louise of the Venerable Order of the Pug had been formed the previous year as a student society. 
Um, and that was mainly um, the sort of no, the nobility of Hanover. Uh, that's Hanover, Germany, not Hanover, Brighton. <laughs> so hang on, just to stop time for a second. Is this like a snapshot in history at the first sort of dog memes? Oh, it could be. It could be. Could like, be. Instead of, you know, sending JPEGs with dog faces, they're just acting like a pug in response. That... At which point, though, again it's very hard to sort of call it a secret society and that they're not influencing anything in secret exactly that's the thing i don't think that's i mean yeah fair enough the whole humiliation the hazing the initiations it's just a freaky that's swingers group it's yeah that's a bit iffy that's a bit dark. <laughs> freaky swingers group <laughs> Making but dog memes. I know, think that's their day to day, and then they will go and have orgies at night, kind of thing. It's, it's weirdos. It's oddballs. But sounds like my kind of party, man. Exactly. In their defence, we're talking 1748. Yeah, things weren't exactly fucking fun back then. <laughs> so yeah, you exactly. made your own the, fun. These days, these days, um, you know, I mean, sw- swingers clubs are legal and they're open, right? Yeah. Um, but back in like the 80s, the 70s that was hush hush hid away um these days were a lot i mean even just sexual awareness we're a lot more open and a lot more accepting of things that weren't accepted back in the day i mean just look at um attitudes towards masturbation for example agreed when we were kids when we were were kids masturbation was something that you shouldn't do you shouldn't definitely not talk about it Oh boy, as someone who brought up around uh, religious stuff, you know, it'll make you go blind, you might die, you're oh, good, you know. That's what made me laugh. But then it's that that sort of, again, it's that association with something not fitting your ideals of purity, you know what I mean? Rather than it being inherently a bad thing, it just hasn't met your ideals, so it's bad. Yeah, so in, in the case of the Order of the Pog, I don't think there's anything nefarious about them. No, I think they're just deranged. They I just mean, did some dodgy shit. Yeah. It, it's clearly a... Co- like, they got a political loophole, right? And then they were probably put under pressure to make this thing seem like a real thing. Yeah. And then they went too far. <laughs> and th- this is my thing. I mean, if a secret society, if there's nothing nefarious about them, is that still a bad thing? That's just a group of friends. So why aren't secret societies just groups of friends? Because secret societies have networks of influence. But so do groups of friends. Yeah, but groups of friends are much smaller in scale. We're talking the difference between like a religion and a cult here. Do you know what I mean? Like, say, for example, my immediate social group, right? There's me, there's however many friends and family members I've got, and that's my entire sort of network. You know, if I need any kind of help or support then i've got that network to go for and then in the event that that network can't provide there's also the sort of generic network that the government and that supplies that i can go through or the bank or whatever else is offered to the general public that i could you know get a loan or a claim for something or whatever else right but the bigger that network is and the more reach and influence you have sure the easier it is to solve your own problems but then you also find yourself in a unique position of being able to attack whilst defending. 
because you see we start when you start upscaling stuff right when you think about uh, a matchstick standing up right if you've got a bunch of matchsticks standing up and you're not going over you get a little domino effect right and there's a bit of a ripple and a couple of them will fall down but there weren't that many matchsticks to fall over in the first place so it's not that big of a deal you add too many matchsticks to that not going over and the whole fucking room can ripple yeah if there's enough matchsticks at play like part of the problem we're seeing now in politics and everything like that is there's a bunch of well not just politics globally there's a bunch of matchsticks that are individuals that are wielding this disproportionately inconceivable amount of power and influence right and we talk about the musk and the bezos and things like that the amount of power they wield is beyond that of man right i can't stress this enough they have got we have between us granting them capabilities and them having clever ideas the two have intertwined into this sort of semi-godhood <laughs> you know they, they've got this capacity and ability to influence so many things and do you know what the strong the strangest thing about power is what's that you don't ever have to exert it to feel its influence yes to yeah. know you have it good point God. right good point elon musk doesn't have to do anything to be powerful because people already believe he is yeah. so anything he does people look at with more well you could say that about any sort of like influential celebrity yeah but the say difference about David is Beckham. We never had influential celebrities who also hold the keys to global future. Yeah. Like sure. we're not we're not just talking about some guy owning a lot of money here. No, money is just a representation of wealth. We're actually talking about a guy that single handedly holds the livelihoods of a disproportionately large amount of people in his hands, and he can sway that to his will whenever he sees fit. Mm. You know, if Tesla crashes their company overnight, all of those employees are fucked. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. their stocks go up overnight, all of those employees are, are minted. Do you know what I mean? It's like a part and parcel kind of thing. The company, though, because of the modern day, the simplicity of attaching it all just to Elon is so much easier for us to process. Companies don't exist. They're not real things they don't have their own thoughts their drives their emotions they don't have intentions they don't have integrity they're just phantasms constructs so we look at those characters that do have those human traits to try and apply them to and then when you look at like mark zuckerberg you know the reason everyone knows who he is and knows what he's done is because he's been influential on us already yeah. None of us would have Facebook and would even be having the discussion about a metaverse or anything like that if he hadn't proposed the ideas and so on and so forth. That in and of itself is, that's good. We like discussion. The difference is he's got the power to do things without checking whether it's right to do first. The same thing Trump had. The same thing Boris has got now. The same thing Jeff's got. All of these crazy rich, super wealthy individuals have more power than they know how to wield. You swing the sword one way, sure, you can cut the tree, but then so, you might accidentally slash the forest on the backswing. 
So what's wrong with um, spreading that power out among a group of people? Absolutely nothing. But the difference is that's not happening, is it? Not it's seeing. not, but to bring it back to secret societies, they don't really have that much power. One no, of the, but one I'd of also the, like to point out some of the most funny secret societies of late being very sort of parallel to that, and that's like Scientology, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, Scientology, is, we, Again, have, to say, we have to one. say technically it's a religion, but it's a fucking cult. Yeah, Cults we're and talking, secret societies are two different things. It's irrelevant what it's defined as. It's one individual that's gotten more wealth and power than is necessarily deserved and has then had that snowball further and further and further because this entire ideology and this entire network of hardworking individuals with different ideologies and different things they're trying to achieve are all attributed to this one guy. Yeah. And his vision. Which I love. That's something I learned about Elwin Hubbard recently. So... Um, Scientologists like to point out that he's one of the most like prolific sci-fi writers. He's wrote more sci-fi books than any one individual novelist. Like, yeah, it's because he never did second drafts. Yeah. He did first drafts. He wrote everything out. When I do when I do scripted podcasts, I think it's I, even when I even when I write songs, when I write songs, I go through about five different versions before I settle on the final one. And when I do my scripted podcasts, that's what I do. That's why it takes me so long, like this special that we've... Well, true we've, creativity That's why it's taking so long to do. <laughs> yeah, require, you'll, yeah, I've done it a million times, you know, drawing a picture, writing something down, whatever else. You'll get to a point where you're like, I don't like that. Yeah. And then sometimes, most of the time, I start again. And then you start again. You start again until eventually you get something that's actually going well. And then you think, oh... I could probably do this better, but I don't want to start again. So instead, I'll try and interpret what I'm interpreting better with this iteration. And then yeah. you eventually get somewhere. Him not writing a second draft, to me, says he was a shit writer. Because it means he never proofread his work. Have you ever read any of Aaron Hubbard's books? No. I've read one. I've read Dianetics. And it's fucking terrible. I don't need to read Dianetics to know everything about Dianetics. It's fucking morally bankrupt. What have you seen the film? Um, oh, what was the Scientology film with John Travolta? Is it Battlefield Earth? No, I don't think so. That's I just know that when that, you that's, start getting That's an L. Ron Hubbard movie. There's no difference between, you know, when you're talking about genetics and genetic selection and various predispositions and things that you're just going fucking mad all over again <laughs> do you know what i mean like we the reason we don't pick kings and queens anymore based on how they were born or who they were birthed to is because it's immoral it's fucking wrong to put that much power and precedence on one individual over everyone else right we should all have some responsibility in our own fucking lives and then to suddenly go full circle and go, no, 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 but this guy was special. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> no, but he's really special. A he lot knows. Of, <laughs> a lot of the secret societies that get mentioned and a lot of the big ones, the ones that we all know about, were set up centuries ago. Like, you know, we'll include the Illuminati. 
because we we uh, we you know, we we concluded when we did our Illuminati episode, we concluded that the Illuminati is a real thing. Yeah, in a couple. But of it's not necessarily. Yeah, it's not, what it, it's yeah, not what it was, and it's not what people think it is. Um, did you say it's like feces? No, I, I mean definitely not. I said ship of Theseus. Oh, right. It's not made up of the parts. I it thought you said it's like human feces. What no. the fuck? It's that philosophical <laughs> conundrum where the ship of Theseus obviously rots over time and they gradually replace the wood. And then once all the wood is replaced, can you still call it the same ship? Yeah. It's like um, Only Falls and Horses. It's triggered with his broom, isn't it? Yeah. It's had the same broom for 20 years. It's only had like three different handles and five yeah. different heads. <laughs> Exactly. That, that's that's exactly it. You can change and adapt things so many times, but eventually you have to remember what made it the original thing in the first place and try and preserve that. That's the key. In this case, we're talking about ideologies, you know, philosophies and stuff like that. And <laughs> he's not got any that are of any benefit to mankind. Let's yeah. put it that way. So with... Um... So, how can I put this? So, yeah, so all like most of the secret societies we know of, the Masons, the Illuminati, uh, Skull and Bones, Bohemian Grove, they were all set up years and years and years ago. Modern secret Not just societies. that, sorry to interject, but they were all set up to do something specific. Yes, yeah. They were. So modern secret societies, there's not really that many that have been set up recently. That's because it's impossible in the modern age. See, what's the first thing you would want to do with a secret society in the modern age? Promote and market the living shit out of it, and you can't, <laughs> which means you don't but get any members, which means you, it's not a society, which means it's just a secret to you. But you, can <laughs> still set, well, you can still set one up. Because... But then it would just be a society. Because you've already had to, like, the modern well, day especially, you've if, opened if, everyone up to everything. Yeah, but if you're only allowing certain people into your society and no one's talking about what happens within that, within those meetings... Well, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk... That's about a secret that. society. Yeah, well, you've got two types, haven't you? You've got your, like we said before about MI5 working and operating in secret, but not in secret kind of thing. You know, everyone knows they're there and doing their things, but they, yeah. they keep it in, inconspicuous, unnoticeable to a degree. It's not necessarily a secret because if we ask them, they tell us what we need to know. That's the, that kind of difference. Whereas if you were to look at a secret society, like say, I don't know, potentially whatever's going on with Epstein and Maxwell, that whole massive potential network of whatever else that could be going on. I say potential because I don't know, not because I don't believe in the truth of it. I just don't know. I don't think anyone does. We have to reserve judgment. Yeah. But the allusions to a giant secret human trafficking society that involved a lot of wealthy individuals over a lot of wealthy different places, logically makes more sense than it doesn't yeah because it's enabling something that would otherwise be not able to be done in place it's providing a service in a sordid manner but it's capitalism it meets the standards of the modern day yeah so so because the point that i was going to make about um modern uh, modern secret societies 
is that they, and I think this kind of goes with what you were saying as well, because they have more scope today to mm. be called cults rather than stay secret societies like the Masons have. Yeah. I don't think there's any benefit to being a secret society in this day and age because the way we are, the very machinations that control us and keep us in place are the secret societies. You know, when we talk about the secret hidden things that government do, the deals between big companies, big farmers, the government and whoever's shaking whoever's hand, those secrets are the very problem. Yeah. So we're not going to go by having our own secrets to combat secrets because that defeats the point. So to combat secrets, you fight with truth. Right. You can't have oh. a secret society whose goal is truth. That's Just what to... MI5 does. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, that's what MI5 are supposed to do. I don't know what they do. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> so just to um, sort of confirm something that you said. So you don't think that secret societies can exist in the modern day. And that's because of like the amount of information. Um, so do you think that secret societies in the Internet age cannot exist? Not in the form of a secret society, no. In the same way that everyone now knows about the Illuminati, right, and the Freemasons and everything else, they're well documented because they had a point for existing. And the problem with having a good reason to exist is you want people to know that reason. Yeah. Now, if people know that reason for existing, then they realize that it's actually a battle of ideologies and that it's nothing to do with secret societies of influence and so on and so forth. It's those ideologies that are important to recognize and to understand. If you can act on those ideologies, a lot of the time, keeping that ideology a secret does nothing good for you. Okay. The only so... way you would have a secret society that could successfully basically bullshit the world is if we've got something similar to what they're trying to go for now, where if everybody's just lying and pretending everything's true and you don't have the ability to criticize or question that anymore. But then we're talking a machination that involves multiple aspects of society. It's not just one person at play. This is a network beyond scope. And that's kind of the problem. In a world of individuals, what are societies? When mm. you say the word society, we, when I say society, for example, I think of any group of three or more people that are interacting on a regular basis. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's Whereas not. That's that, not easy. Society is any interactions between multiple human beings that then factor and culminate. The bigger the society is, the harder it is for that society to have cohesion, to have a core message or a value. Look at us as humans, right? The reason we've got so much fucking disparity right now is because no one has any common ground. We don't have country ideologies because all the governments are fucking corrupt in their own way. <laughs> so we don't believe in our nations. There's no patriotism to bond over. There's, no, there's very little tradition and culture left anymore because a lot of it has become isolationist or preserved or in some ways obsolete. Yeah. Right. The digital age has brought about so much less interaction between people that 
now you get to choose who you learn from. Right, so have you heard of... How many people are actually learning from their parents now? Instead of just on YouTube or whatever I've had this conversation with someone the other day, actually. Society's too big now that you can't yeah. influence what you're trying to pass on as an ideology. You can't control your legacy anymore. Yeah. Having so, that go in secret would be terrifying. Have you heard of uh, Cicada 3301? I'm not sure. So, it's nothing to do with a dance artist, is it? No. No, no, no. It's not. <laughs> it does sound like a modern hip-hop name, but it's not. Cool. Um, so it's a nickname that's given to an alleged enigmatic organisation that posted three sets of puzzles online between 2012 and 2014. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's been called the most elaborate and mysterious puzzle of the internet age, but also... Um, a secret society or it's a somebody trying to set up a secret society that's how i see it um it's people are still speculating about this function but it hasn't done anything for years um people think that the puzzles are a recruitment tool for the nsa cia mi6 or a masonic conspiracy of course well uh, they're or, definitely there to test you and the yeah they, they, of conducting a test is to see the outcome of said test yeah, so I mean, this is this is what I was asking you about um, uh, secret society in the internet age because to me that's what this sounds like. Yeah, somebody's trying to set up a secret society in, well, in the, the internet age. We already have. People also think it's a cyber mercenary group. The difference between secret societies of old and secret societies of now is ideology. Yeah. We don't have them anymore, so now they're just random threats like hacker groups. Yeah, when we look at things like Anonymous, that's technically a secret society by fucking name. Yeah, yeah, of course. But they can come forward and say they did things. They have... The so difference with them that keeping is... their work a secret conflicts with their ideology. So they're already at kind of a catch-22 and they I can think... only operate within the realms of them operating. Yeah, I think the difference with Anonymous is that... The secret there are the members, not the actions. No, and that's exactly the difference between a secret society. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'd say a healthy secret society is one whose actions are plainly seen, but whose members are silent. You don't know who they are. Yeah. Right. It, like, for example, when you attribute things to, like, government as a generalization, not as this celebrity bullshit where there's one person. No, no, there were lots of arms at work that did lots of different things that created different avenues for different whatever else, so on and so forth, you know. Some yeah. things go right, some things go wrong. It's a balancing act. There's more components at work. Pinning it all on one individual means it's easy to praise it when it goes right and blame it when it goes wrong. To hype. <laughs> yeah. So with Cicada 3301, which from now on, I'm just going to call them Cicada because it's yeah. easy. Um, so the puzzles each year were apparently, this is what they said, to recruit highly intelligent individuals, although the actual purpose remains unknown. Some claimed that it's a secret society with a goal of improving cryptography, privacy, and anonymity. Say it, because I obviously can't. Anonymity. 
Um, Others claimed that it's a cult or a religion. Um, According to statements of several people who have beat these puzzles, they typically use non-puzzle-based recruiting methods, but they created these puzzles because they were looking for potential members with cryptography and computer security skills. And something that's really interesting is the people who have actually been in touch with this whole Cicada thing, they refer to them as 3301, and the whole Cicada side of it is just this one way of recruiting people. Yeah, a Cicada is a tree. No, it's an insect. It's a bug. Oh, okay. Either way, it's some, it's a, a nothing in the biggest game yeah. of everything else. You know, it's That's just it. a, an arm. The first cryptography was... sounds perfectly logical, to be honest, because um, the internet age has actually made that much more of a fundamental issue. Is now that we're all so much more open and online and so on and so forth, there has to be certain protections in place to keep things safe and so yeah. on and so forth. So I understand that. I don't think that's suspicious or even that secret to be honest they advertised exactly what they wanted and what they were trying to get yeah when someone comes in like if you were working security for a fucking company like i don't know a bank or something you're not going to have the liberty to talk about your fucking job are you of course you're not going to be telling everyone oh yeah no don't worry i made a back door in the bank so we can just go in and get it whenever we like no you're not going to do that because that's not how it works <laughs> you know there's a guy called uh, marcus wanner who he was the first person to solve um solve, solve the first puzzle basically and according to him those who so solved the puzzles were asked questions about the support of information freedom uh, online privacy and freedom and rejection of censorship and those who answered satisfactorily at this stage were invited to a oh, private oh. forum those who answers satisfactorily. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, so how, it's how societies work. Because you... No, because we've got two agencies at work here, okay? So the first is using a legitimate reason to single out and discriminate legitimately, uh, well, what they deem legitimately intelligent and academic people, right? Yeah. So they've already got a selection process based on empirical, factual data. And then they ask them a series of ideology-based questions and accept or reject accordingly. Does that not sound like just weaponizing intelligent people to you? Yeah, but that happens anyway. Of course it does. This just sounds normal. I'm not saying it doesn't. No, of course. But I'm saying the fact that... uh, Basically, what I'm saying is it shows that there's some sort of correlation between smart people and ideology, right? Either that they can't be swayed or that they're hard to corrupt or something like that, that they have to already be flawed (laughs) or already be perfect. Maybe the cynic in me is looking at the glass half empty, but, you know. Yeah. Well, um, so, yeah, the people who answered satisfactorily, um, they were invited to a private forum where they were instructed to devise and complete a project intended to further the ideals of the group. Um, he did not finish his work on a method of general decryption and the website was removed. And that's that's it. That's just, it. Yeah, lobbying and campaigning. 
basically. Yeah. Now that whole thing, like it, that, just it seems normal to me because it's kind. Of, it is how things happen, you know. I mean, it's. Don't get me wrong. Skilled it, people should be with other skilled people of their ilk to be able to do things and get things just done. In, just when, when, but, when you advise your friendship groups, you you vet people. I mean, think about do, how do. think about how we met. Yeah. How many of those people in that workplace are still in our group? Not many, but how many of those people if, are you in touch with? Not many, but again, I'm an anomaly, right? This is <laughs> I, I'm in touch with about three people, and I like Just it in general. <laughs> I honestly think there is a huge diminishing return once your network of surrounding individuals become too large. Yes. For example, my three, four, five people, my one-handed amount of people, I have a proportionate amount of energy and uh, time and qualitative, you know, actual effort that I can put into that relationship. If I've got a hundred friends, that's divided by a hundred. So everyone gets the fucking scraps. That's shit. I can't look after people to the degree that I would like to or give them the attention and, you know, foster a relationship that I would value. And I think that, you know, when people are looking for more and more friends, that's a fucking a mistake. You, you shouldn't be popular. If you're popular, you did something anomalous. You did something wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You were inconsistent in your behavior. Because you'll either have lots of friends naturally, at which point you'll be vetting them out because you can't have that many friends and keep in touch with all of them. Or you will shun yourself and kind of hide away and avoid that entirely. <laughs> it's You can't have that many people to split everything in between. It's why companies are so fucked now. Companies, what do they rely on? A shared ideology. Everyone has the same core belief at heart, you know. Oh, so so-and-so did this for this company with the message that we were going to do this for these kind of people and so on and so forth, right? That's usually the show. That's fucking gone now. There's too many people, too many mouths to feed. Ideologies don't fucking matter. Money pays the bills. They're whatever you need them to be at the time, ideologies. <clears throat> it's, yeah. it's a mess. It's a, a problem. There's a, a fundamental sort of, again, diminishing returns. Once you, I don't want to muddy the waters, sounds like bad. I don't like it. But when you have too many opinions and too many conflicting ideologies and too many things, like there's no longer consensus. No one can agree on anything, which means nothing ever gets done. <laughs> and you're always just arguing over the same shit. You know, no matter what you do, it will be a, a failure. So there is a certain need to split people into certain tribes and groups and so on and so forth. But it's a need that relies on those tribes and groups being smaller and more, you know, look at the most basic of all tribes, your fucking family. Your family you is... my family? I'm saying I love them all to pieces. They <laughs> my point is, your family is a fixed amount of people yeah right 
there's only ever so many potential family members and if another one's coming you you generally know about it in advance it's not like a surprise more family multiplied (laughs) we just got more of them they popped out of nowhere sorry (laughs) i've never fucking met you in my life who are you (laughs) you know it's that that sort of uh constant network you know the one that's uh, a constant influence and is constantly uh not only influencing what you learn and what you value and what you grow and your beliefs and your ideals but you're also in turn influencing them so you already have a consensus just by getting along and having to you know there'll be things with your family that you'll have vehement disagreements over do you know what i mean but you don't hate each other you, you can agree and disagree on topics and there's a perfectly fine balance and you know justification for everything it makes sense it's logical because you can still because there's only so many people you can still value each individual as an individual yeah if you had 500 family members <laughs> how many of them do you think you're texting on your birthday to say thanks for the <laughs> birthday wishes well, if you mean none. <laughs> How many of them do you think are going to call you individually and have that time of day kind of thing? Because yeah. there's fucking 500. Have you heard of the diffusion of responsibility? Uh, no. I'm not really so, into goth rock. No, it's, it's not goth rock. Although it's pretty <laughs> rad bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, let me set the stage. Well, uh, let me tell you a story. ha 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 ha. So you've got, uh, you're walking down the street, right? Picture this, middle of town, tons of people, both sides of the roads, walking back and forth, right? And a guy on his own, just sort of out of the way, collapses, has a heart attack, right? You see that immediate concern, right? Same with everyone around you. Natural reaction is to provide aid. That's normal. So everyone rushes so I, over. I could just see Bruno over my shoulder, really <laughs> proper paying attention to what you were saying. <laughs> everyone sort of rushes over to help and so on and so forth. But then upon seeing that everyone has rushed over to help, there's no longer a compulsion or an obligation for you to make sure that you've helped. So guess who calls the ambulance? Well, it's not me. <laughs> No, exactly. It's no one because everyone assumed someone else was going. Right, of course, yeah. So no ambulance shows up and the guy dies. Even with the best intentions of everyone around him, that guy died because of their inaction. And it wasn't malice. It wasn't incompetence. It wasn't anything you can attribute to ill behavior. It was just the assumption that someone closer would be doing it first. Yeah. But the reality of it is, you know, if you see a nurse rushing to try and revive someone with CPR, they're not on the phone to the ambulance as well, are they? (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's certain logical conclusions and things like that. And the greater a group is, the much more likely there is for a diffusion of responsibility. The much more likely it is to go, oh, don't worry, there's 500,000 staff members. Someone will take care of it. Well, that's not my job. Oh, I don't have to worry about that. I just have to do this. No, you're already fucking lost. Yeah. You know, how can you have a a secret society that has both a secret ideology that also acts as a 
motivator and an inspiration for them acting on said ideology. What about all the charity work that the Masons do? What about it? Well, wouldn't you say that's a good thing? That's a good thing about that secret society? I mean, there are hospitals out there who have equipment purely bought by the Masons. Yeah, and I, I think giving to charity in and of itself is usually a good thing. But the the reality is, why did they give to charity? Well, why does anybody give to charity? I give to two well, charities at the moment. Why? Because there are three I reasons to give to charity. Uh, because I'm going to be a cynic, but it's true. Uh, there's the optics of giving to charity. Oh, I give to charity, therefore I can't be a bad person. Yeah, that I, yeah, I've been I seen be, giving to charity, therefore I can't be the antithesis of this thing, right? Yeah. Option number one. Option number two, charity isn't actually a charity. Not saying this is true, but it's a very good way to launder money. Right. Yeah. Very easy way for one sinister place to. Don't forget, I've, I've, worked, I've worked in the sector. So I've, yeah, I've worked in the I, sector. I don't like happen, being a cynic. It doesn't happen as much as people think. No, but it does still happen, and you can't ignore that possibility. As long as it does happen, you have to assume it will happen. That's life. It's very rare. Well, that's why there are protections and authentications in place for legitimate charities. And, you know, if I'm sure there's an easy check for that kind of thing as to whether it's legit and so on and so forth. And again, I don't mean to criticise the Masons. They're just an example in this free thought. Uh, I don't actually know a great deal about them. Secret societies and all, you know, (laughs) I just know the original ideology was good for the time. And that's kind of the thing. See, I, do, I know Masons. I know quite a lot about Freemasons. We're, talk, yeah. we're talking about an ideology from 100, 200 years ago that's changed a that's lot thing, in the modern frame. Yeah, well, that's the thing with the Freemasons. They have adapted. They have. I agree. But that Mass- doesn't, again, ship of Theseus. It's not the same thing it started as. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, the third giving to charity is um, it's a good way of just pleasing people on the sly there you don't get questions asked you know people aren't going i mean imagine do you think anyone would be questioning whether jeff bezos was too rich if there were massive news stories about how much he was given away every year like they were with bill gates and george soros as well exactly it's a great way to deflect attention because again i don't want to say such horrible things charity (laughs) doesn't exist in groups it's an individual feeling there's a fourth reason to give to the charity. Well, yeah, just to give well, to the charity. If you assuming that was the initial one you were thinking. Believe in the cause, agree with the cause. Yeah, I agree. But that's that's the most straightforward. You know, that's I, I give I give regularly to two charities, uh, one of which is the Samaritans, because I completely and utterly believe in their work. Yeah. I, you know, They've helped me in the past, and if I can help them by giving them a fiver a month, I'm going <laughs> oh, <laughs> to have to do to help them. Fucking but, great. The main component for that mattering and having weight is it's your personal ideology being exercised, right? There's no pressures externally for you to meet the financial deadlines of this company or anything else. There's no one over your shoulder financing your work saying you can do this, but you can't do that or anything like that. You're literally doing it selflessly. Yeah. Because you want other people to have the same help that is available to them kind of thing. It's humanitarian. That's the only reason people should give to charity, in my opinion. 
Okay. The other, the other three are all disingenuous, and that's exactly why I highlight them as a possibility, because a charity at the end of the day is just another business under a different name. Unfortunately, yes, you're right. They still have incomings, they still have outgoings, they still have staff to pay. Chances are... There's laws that they have to go, which are basically the same for businesses and companies. Just like tax, you can pay your money with the best intentions and see fuck all for them. Yeah, that's it. You know, donating to cancer, for example, been doing that for as long as I can remember. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean there's going to be a miraculous cancer cure every night. You know, you can't just donate once and be like, cool, I've done my bit for the world. They'll come up with the cure now and everyone's fine. No, it's you either believe in it and you support it or it's kind of something you just look at. Is yeah. there, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's different. And then you obviously get the, because charity is this, I, I hate the word charity. I just want to put that out there. Do you know why I hate the word charity? Why? Because it's a religious word. Okay. Right? It's a word that is based on a lot of religious principles. Yeah. It's a trick. Right? Because it's essentially saying to you, charity initially is a feeling. It's a a compulsion. It's something where you are feeling compelled to help your fellow man. Right? It's It's an actual impulse or a feeling in your gut kind of thing. You know, where... Um, there's a pillar of it in Islamic religion. It's very, very profound and very, you know, again, I don't want to butcher it too much because I know Islamic's quite complicated as it is, but um, there's a lot of really good messages about, you know, humanitarian actions and so on and so forth and how to kind of do it within the realms of your life and how you should be doing it because it helps so on and so forth. And, but it's so easy to pervert religious language. Yes. Well, yeah, well, we've seen... Like we've seen that happen for centuries, and still all you've got to do. And I, again, I hate it. All you've got to do is look at all of the charity adverts on TV. Yeah, they're all just emotional blackmail. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, the but... whole point is just to make you feel guilty, as if you've pl- played a part in it and are now responsible, right? And in some cases, that is kind of true. But that's not charity. Charity is given out of the goodness of your heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. perverted. Again, when so why, makes so all why, these sociopathic things seem totally Why is it normal. so hard to think that the Masons give to charity out of the kindness of their heart? Because the Masons aren't individuals. They're the Masons. Well, it's a group made up of individuals. At one point, somebody said, right, well, we've got this money. Why don't we give it to charity? And everyone had to vote on it. Then instead of it being the Masons gave to charity, it would be the individuals gave to charity. And then a group mentioned a a group of individuals with the Masons resources. Yeah. It's the same thing. No, it's not. Because one is talking about the ideology of a group. And one is talking about the ideologies of individuals. The way one that we saw is it. newsworthy and emulatable behavior, which makes you feel inspired, like, oh, I should join the Masons. They give plant to charity. The yeah. other is just a statement six people gave to charity. Yeah, fair enough. Because the way that the Masons choose what charities to give to um, is they have a vote in the lodge. 
Because it's not just like... I'm not saying it's not right that they're given to charity. I'm playing devil's advocate to the extreme. Yeah, of course. But it's it's important to recognise that these are human-built incarnations. They are all motivated by the same things that are motivated in the modern day. And they actually can't exist without adapting to the modern day. Which means they have to meet three criteria. They have to be influential enough to do what they're trying to do. They have to be wealthy enough to do what they're trying to do. Uh, Wealth not just in uh, money, but in, you know... uh, Everything. Integrity, in, like, wealth of character, wealth of nature, wealth of society. It has to be valuable to people. You know what I mean? And then... Uh, the third sort of component of it is you're looking at this it has to exist outside of the organization for it to be real if let me put it into example um look at a police officer right if you've got a group of police officers again no hate on the police a good example here you get a group of police officers you put them in the room they're all going to act like police officers, right? Because they're all around police officers. Yeah. You split those police officers up, plonk them in places randomly. They're going to act like people plonked like places randomly. If you're, for example, if the Masons go and all agree on something together, that's great, cool, fine, <laughs> nice, whatever. But the very fact that they all had to come together and hold a vote to agree how their resources were going to be distributed shows a conflict of interest already right because uh, it wasn't a given that it would go to charity it was something they had to discuss okay it wasn't yeah. excess okay. to their requirements it wasn't this is the, the case of they, they all just, just suddenly went if yeah have, somebody had to suggest it and other people yeah. had to agree with it yeah if okay. your bills are let's say a thousand pounds a month right and you make two thousand pounds a month You have £1,000 in excess, right? Yeah. Now you could increase how much your bills are to meet your new income. So instead of living on your normal £1,000, you could become luxurious and now live on £2,000, which means your wealth is now the same as it was when you were poor because you still ultimately have no excess income. Yeah. So... The real question is the philosophy of excess income. What do you do with it? Well, in my opinion, it's excess. I don't need it. So just like wood or water or sugar, if someone else did, I would let them have it (laughs) because it's excess to my requirements. I literally don't need it. Me holding it as leverage and trying to get something out of you to get more of this resource I already don't need is completely fucking anomalous and wrong. It doesn't make any sense to progression. If I've got a hundred blocks of wood, right? I only need one to light my fire, but I happen to have plowed out the whole forest. My neighbor comes over. They're like, yeah, can, can I have a piece of wood? We haven't got any. No, I'm charging for them now. <laughs> that makes me a cunt. that makes me a self-serving piece of shit whereas if i let them take the wood not only does it not impact me but it helps them so it's the ultimate in winning so a charity giving to charity isn't something you need to discuss if you've got extra income 
it's the first place it should go. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, it. <laughs> it's, it's not even a question. Like, why do you have to have a discussion about whether people are in fucking need? Are you deluded? <laughs> you know, it shows a massive disparity. Hmm. So I'm gonna I'm going to I'm gonna start the conclusion of the episode now because I'm hungry and I need a piss. All right. So to conclude, of the, do you think there is any need for secret societies to exist? Not in the past, not like you know, have existed no. today. Because I think that the modern day moves so quickly. That any action you take, whether it's secret or not, it doesn't matter. We can't stop. What about um, things like camaraderie? And for those people who find it difficult to make friends and they're lonely, what if to them getting into a secret society that opens up their world? They get friends. They're not lonely. They're not. They don't there are disconnected. much better ways to do it than through a secret society. You can have a small community without having a secret society. You can be part of a tribe without it influencing who you are or dictating what you are. We were talking about football earlier. You can be an English football supporter without hating everyone, every other supporter. Yeah. You see what I mean? I can have respect for a Danish support or a Japanese support or an Australian. It doesn't fucking matter because we're all here for the love of something greater. That's how it fucking should be. But instead, we're stuck on warring over who's got the best and biggest dick or whatever. It's a fucking tiresome procedure. And secret societies just make that process kind of more funny, right? Because it's like watching a toddler try and figure stuff out. But instead of having their parents go... It's okay. Let me kind of show you so you know what you're in. No, they just fucking laugh at them. <laughs> Look at the dickhead. He's trying to put the triangle in the square. <laughs> fucking knob. <laughs> you could go and help him and teach him and make his life better. Or you can just keep laughing. I mean, whatever floats your boat. Isn't it? Yeah. It's, a, it's also a good way to hide inaction and apathy when you don't actually do anything <laughs> and you want to look like you are, oh, no, we just operate in secret. <laughs> yeah, it's so much to think about. It's such a, like, as we said earlier, this is one of those... Um... What do you mean Superman's around and he stops criminals? Yeah, he's just... It's a secret. Justice League <laughs> is secrets. You'll never see them. But they're real, I promise. Well, I mean, in the, in the in Marvel comics, there was the Illuminati, which was a secret group that even the superheroes didn't know about. It was uh, Professor X, Stephen Strange, Blue Bolt, um, Namor, Tony Stark, Reed Richards. They're really smart superheroes. Yeah. So Mensa for superheroes, basically. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, but... there's no need for secrets if your ideology is sound. In fact, it's quite counterproductive because you want people to carry your ideology and question things. And you know, if, you, if your ideology is sound and it's logical and it makes sense, it will carry weight on its own. Yeah. I mean, look at the whole uh, Illuminati thing, the whole idea of stopping the church and the state. Well, you could argue that that didn't work or didn't happen. But look at our, our day now. Because they made the question vocal, yeah. we were then able to ask the question and we were able to go, actually, 
maybe religion shouldn't be dictating what we do in life. Maybe there should be a divide and a certain gap and a certain understanding between people, especially if they're not of the same religion and so on and so forth. I think that, yeah, the ideology is what carries the most weight. If you learn that and you support that ideology, technically you're part of a society, but there's no secret anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, sure, you can operate. If you want anything to be done, it can't be a secret. Everyone will know about it overnight. Yeah, of course. If I do anything that actually affects enough people, you'll know. It's not like it. I can keep it a secret anymore. That's kind of the main thing. You can't keep secrets in the modern day as easily. Unless you're looking at internet and cryptography. <laughs> I, think this I really is... don't want to have to learn wingdings to talk to people. Wingdings. <laughs> I think this is the most serious chat we've had for a very long time on this podcast. Well, it's, yeah, it's because it's a very, uh, it's something that you have to provide clarification on, right? It's very easy to glamorize. It's a very polarizing discussion because I myself, I don't see a problem with secret societies. To a degree, I agree with you. I I think you have to consider that large, super scale extreme. Yeah. I, I see the purpose, I see the need, and I see reasons for people to join. I also see reasons for people to oppose. Mm. Um, but I personally, no, I, don't, I don't see a problem with them. And I think most of the issues come from that sort of conspiracy-minded view. I think it's just the case of, again, if you've got any... It's like... It's it's the whole case of look at those people. They're not telling me it's what repressed memories. It's no good. If you don't face what you're trying to tackle, then you're just sort of there on virtue. You're not actually doing anything. You're just pretending yeah. to. You know, if I make a group against corruption, but then I sit there and I'm complicit with it and I do nothing and sort of just yeah, oh, it's all right. I'll take my cut and everything's sad. Then I'm just the same as them. Fair, it's, yeah, fair play. It's, when you've got your your uh, ideology and it is like look at some of the best ideologies in the modern day that is it's not that difficult we've got tons to work from and that's why it's so good because we've got now i mean everyone's probably got their own individual ideology so let's say there's at least six billion or something conflicting ideologies in the world in some manner and yet we've managed to find a way to overlap and cohese them to make what we have now, which is modern society. The fact that we can all agree on some things is a fucking miracle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't have to all be the same thing, though. We are allowed. It's important to be different. It's important to have that individuality to an extent. But then you've also got to be part of the collective when need be. It's like a a team effort, you know. Yeah. It push it's uh what's well, lifting a piano is fucking impossible by yourself. Good fucking luck. But if there's two of you, you might stand a chance. Yeah. <laughs> unless, it's it's some, unless it's my piano. <laughs> it's something as simple as that though. It, it doesn't necessarily require skill. It doesn't require a great deal of effort from both people. It just requires collaboration. You know, a secret society is initially 
just intended to be a collaboration against whatever is going wrong at the time. You know, it's a way to circumvent the the way history has tried to shut certain things down. And they've done a very, very good job of making those ideologies heard so that when we have a discussion like we have today and you say, oh, yeah, th this thing could be really good. I can go, yeah, but what about this super extreme example where things could go horribly wrong? <laughs> you know, you have to look at everything. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Even the fucking Connect Four that no one plays anymore. <laughs> Got all Connect Four. Right. Well, I think that is Secret Societies definitely discussed. Is it, or did we not discuss them? Am I keeping everything well and truly secret? <laughs> <laughs>